It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Recorded live. A-U-N, American Underground Network. The primary reason why the individual citizens of a country create a political structure is a subconscious wish or desire to perpetuate their own dependency relationship of childhood. Simply put, they want a human God to eliminate all risk from their life, pat them on the head, kiss their bruises, put a chicken on every dinner table, clothe their bodies, tuck them into bed at night, and tell them that everything will be all right when they wake up in the morning. This public demand is incredible, so the human God, the politician, meets incredibility with incredibility by promising the world and delivering nothing. So who is the bigger liar, the public or the godfather? All revolutions have been led by young people. If you just think of the TV images of whether it's Tiananmen Square or whether it's the uh, revolts in Central America or Europe, it's the young people, it's the college people who are more principled and not locked in and they're not embedded with the government. They are the ones who are concerned about their future because the future is theirs. My research has shown at this point that the future laid out for us may be just about impossible to change. I do not agree with the means by which the powerful few have chosen for us to reach the end. I do not agree that the end is where we should end at all. But unless we can wake the people from their sleep, nothing short of civil war will stop the planned outcome. It's the American Underground Network Collective Consciousness Show. With Jim Condon, Jr. in Cincinnati, Ohio, Fred Smart in Evanston, Illinois, Steve Harris in Charlotte, North Carolina. Now, live from Portland, Oregon, your host, Dee Dee Farrell. Hi, everyone. Um, just to clear it up right away, Fred will be back next week, and then we will actually have our official next anniversary call. But um, uh, back hosting uh, after his uh, family's graduation services. Gosh, he's going to be going through that for a few more years. Um, so welcome, everyone. I wanted to say that Tom Hemingway, who is in Seattle, used to be the uh, American Freedom to Fascism State Coordinator for Colorado, and we worked with him quite a bit, and he's called in, and so he's joined us tonight. I, I don't know how many of you remember him, but... He was he was great and still is <laughs> and so um, since it's an open forum um, I guess I could just take the time to say how much being able to be on this call with everyone here has meant to me I I was somewhat versed in the subject uh, generally of what we deal with but I've learned so much more going down the rabbit hole with you loyal regulars who have made the call what it is by your intelligence and your loyalty and your questions that you're able to ask and 
I've been very impressed how impressed uh, many of our luminary guests have been by being able to interact with you all. And uh, this is uh, part of the most enriching part of the, the whole thing. And, of course, I love Fred and Steve and everyone, and I've become friends with a lot of you, and that's meant a lot to me. So um, if anyone wants to chime in and uh, have something to say, I, uh, I'm so overwhelmed with what's going on in the world. The, I looked deeply at what's going on in Ecuador right now after that uh, uh, earthquake, and wow, geez, just one spot in the world where when one minute 250,000 homes get crushed <laughs> unexpectedly. And, um, but uh, you see the emerging paradigm of people rolling together and learn how to live more sustainably and the possibility of anything like that ever happening, which could be anywhere, I suppose. So welcome to the call, those of you that have joined us. And uh, I see we have Betty and Sam and, and uh, Kelly and Steve and all the rest of the callers in. So feel free to dialogue. And Tom, you're invited in as well. Anyone want to say anything particular? And we could hear from you as well, Steve, if you want to yeah, start off with that. Absolutely. I'd like to chime along with what Dee, Dee was saying. Uh, it's just been an incredible nine years that we've been doing this venue, but even before that, doing the Freedom of Fascism. and. Uh, um, you know, how meaningful and really enjoyable that's been. Uh, this has been like a, a total sharing. We've been doing this every week, you know, for 450 weeks. But even prior to that, we're doing the, the calls on uh, Aaron Russo's venue. And uh, so we've learned so much. And, you know, we we're, we're, have an extended family of, of a lot of people and, and a lot of events that's come through this venue. And uh, it, it continues. It, having Tom on with us uh uh, from Washington, from Seattle area, uh, is is just this the way the the life of this uh, show goes. We have people that come in uh, all the time. Alone with Blake Blakely uh, a few weeks ago, that was uh, Aaron Russo's uh, press secretary, and uh, yeah. so it's just really amazing how this all uh, happens and comes together. So, uh, but welcome, Tom, and uh, and again, uh, I share what Dee Dee said. It's just it it's meant so much to me personally to uh, spend the time with everybody that, uh, you know, we, we do this show with everybody's importance. Uh, we're, we're not just people doing it. Uh, you folks are the one that make this, this happen. So it's just we're honored to be a part of it. And we're, you know, sorry Fred's not here, so we're not, I'm not really calling this our, our anniversary show because it's, it wouldn't be right without Fred being here, our, our host, and Didi's our co-host. So um, it's just it wouldn't be right if, if Fred was here and Didi couldn't make it. So We'll wait and have an anniversary show when, when Fred can be back from uh, his uh, son's graduation. So, uh, again, I'd like to say what Dee said and welcome everybody. And, Betty, uh, we also, and Dee Dee, we found out that Jay, uh, you know, one of our loyal participants and part of this venue for a long time, had uh, triple bypass surgery in Minneapolis. And, uh, uh, Betty, you had a chance to talk with him. Tell, uh, tell Dee and everybody else uh, what, you, what Jay shared with you when you had, you had a chance to talk with him. Well, he was pretty much sharing uh, <laughs> his dislike to all of the, uh, let's say, intravenous lines, and he said he had, he had lines and wires all over the place. Oh, he's such a free spirit. I guess that really hurt. <laughs> I don't know. I, he might come on tonight. I yeah. Because that was the, that was what shocked me. Because. I happened to look at the uh, when I sent the newsletter out, and I hope Tom, you're getting that. Um, but we do send a weekly newsletter out. If you're not, then 
simply go no, to AUNetwork.tv and click on Contact Us and just plug in your email and I'll add you to the, the mailing list. But at any rate, okay. um, I suppose yes and everything. And then we actually, I spend three hours Wednesday night putting the news together. And if you click on, uh, when you go to AUNetwork.tv, just click on Newsletter and you can see that. Uh, what I do every Wednesday night. At any rate, uh, uh, I saw in there when I was mailing out the newsletter that there was a, a message from Dave's cell phone, and it was an 828 area code. So that's the Asheville uh, area of Asheville, North Carolina. So I thought, damn, I said, hey, I'm just chilling out. I had triple bypass surgery. This is Jay. And I thought, holy <laughs> crap. So you know, I got Dee on the phone, but we called up Jay, and he said, "Yeah, man." He said, uh, "He said I was on the call two days after my surgery last week," and I was like, "Damn!" Because <laughs> we saw him on there, but he wasn't saying anything. But yeah, Jay said that uh, he told Betty this too today. But he said uh, when he came out of the uh, the surgery, his triple bypass, he said when he woke up, he said he had a throat uh, tube down his throat. You know, I guess it was a breathing tube, and and he was freaking out. He said I couldn't breathe and he said I was sick and he said man he said they had to get five people to hold me down because he said I was taking all that getting ready to take all that crap off <laughs> but he was his old self he sounded good to me and uh said he felt like a truck hit him but uh yeah he's a pretty tough guy to hold down I just I was shocked to hear that happen but uh I know he's gonna be he's gonna be fine just won't be traveling uh, over the country in a track trailer anymore Well, you guys, you and Betty and, and uh, Alona from calling in from um, Boquete of Panama, it was week, it was two weeks ago, uh, Steve, that she was on. That's right. And, and I hung up. I hung up after it. We'd already been on for a couple hours, and uh, you, you guys were still on there an hour and a half later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I was doing after show with uh, with Alona. <laughs> that was a lot of fun. It really was. And, and Betty, Betty, you stayed on for the entire show too, didn't you? Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's unusual, right? Yeah. Yeah, I could see you guys on my screen. I called in and you were talking about Iceland, but I, I was really tired, so I hung up. But I had to laugh because I thought it was great. You were talking all that time. You must have covered a lot of territory, Betty. <laughs> yeah, and I did finally get her email straight. Oh, that's She's getting oh, my emails now, yeah. Okay, good. You know what it was? I was wasn't putting the third e in the email address. I thought it said two e's and it was three e's. Yeah, isn't that a funny email address? I... Yeah, that's why I'm thinking something's going crazy here. You know? <laughs> it's got three e's in a row. <laughs> so Tom, what are you what are you doing uh, lately? Are you? Well, um, I'm. Uh... I'm in uh, cybersecurity now. What is it? Can you hear me? Cybersecurity. Yeah, I didn't. Cybersecurity. Oh, cybersecurity. Oh. So what is well, that? So, um, what is that so I mean, it's, it's, I think we're cutting out or something. Um. Can you can you hear me? I can hear you now, yeah. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, Betty asked what that entailed, so you were going to answer her. Go ahead. It's uh, it's, it's uh, cybersecurity is information security. So, um, you know, uh, it could be like uh, network security or application security or data security, any of those, any of those things. 
That must be interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. there's a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, more than we realize, <laughs> I think. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. So that's uh, that's kind of why I'm getting interested in again in 9/11 because uh, you know I keep hearing that there's going to be another one coming up uh, before the uh, before the election the summer or fall. So I just wondered if you guys had any information about that. Well, I know Fred shared. Go ahead, Betty. No, go ahead. You you started. Oh, I was just going to say Fred shared something with me from one of his insiders that is not able to come on the call, that they were they were actually talking about four events. <laughs> but I, I didn't hear that firsthand, and we just chatted, so I don't know if anyone else heard that, but go ahead, Betty. I just heard just something that there was something big was going uh, to be, to expect something big before the convention or during the convention. Well, you know, we know there's going to be, you know, having a circus that it is, you know, and not really with people really understanding the inside story of what's actually going on there. I think they're worried about civil wars and, you know, so they may try to stop the election because it's not going exactly the way it's planned. Although I think it's gone the way it's planned. It's just taken a few corners that uh, I don't think was expected. Mm-hmm. I.e., the way that people have stood up and gotten involved. Yeah. So, what is your feeling? What is my feeling? No, I well, I mean, um, I, I'm just hearing different things. I've heard, uh, you know, if something could happen in June. I've heard things. Something can happen before the election. I haven't heard anything mm-hmm. connected with the conventions. But mm-hmm. um, I mean, we're just in very we're just in very dangerous times right now, and um, yeah. I think it's just a good idea to stay informed and up to date on what's happening. The hard part is you don't know what's true and what isn't. <laughs> I mean, it, you don't know. It's so hard to determine right. what's just being thrown out there to scare you or what's real. Right. That's but very true. This is Sam from Pennsylvania. Yeah, well, uh, why why are we threatening Russia? We're putting missiles in Poland. We're up in Latvia. Yeah. We have uh, maneuvers going up in Latvia and everywhere else, and we're threatening Russia. Russia, Putin's a Hitler, and you know what I mean? Russia hasn't attacked anyone. Right. So That's a deal kind of Yeah, why are we attacking Russia, you know? Yeah. I think Why we threatened, the we, put the we put the sanctions against Russia. And now the European Union's thinking of lifting the sanctions because they're the ones being hurt. Yeah. But it, wouldn't that have all to do with the BRICS plan that uh, Russia had, or Putin's put in, into, yeah. uh, I mean, it comes down to money. And that's right. given the World Bank a competition, and, and it's not like so they're... They're putting the scare, trying to put the scare into them, I guess. Yeah, but I they've been doing right. this all along before. Yeah, that's China. Now, China's in on that, too. The, yeah, the Brazil, yeah, Brazil and India, and Russia, Africa. In, India, India, China, South, South Africa. Africa. Yeah. No, was, was it Africa? No, it was India. India Yeah, and India, China. China, and South Africa, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They're all in on yeah. it. Brazil. 
And that's getting bigger. I mean, it's getting, and it's, uh, that's what I think is happening. Well, it's kind of inevitable. <laughs> you know, in a way, if it's a slow decline of the dollar, it's going to take all these different turns. You know, I don't know exactly. I think it's going to be a just a continual downturn that could, you know, we're never going to really hear the truth unless you're looking deep at really good vetted sources because the media is not getting it right. <laughs> Well, the media is controlled. It's a controlled media. So that's the thing. It's it, you have to be even more go by more by your instincts and and what you know to be true on a large level in the in the global scene to be able to find really get a sense of the, what the truth is. You know, putting competition for, into the dollar being the was that the recognized currency of the world or something i don't know how to express sure that. well it is it's the it's the yeah but it's failing because we're bankrupt country for all the reasons everyone on this call is aware of <laughs> so yeah anything that so, i mean it's like a wild beast <laughs> the BRICS yeah. organization is ready to walk right in <laughs> mm-hmm. well i tell everybody the country's done there's no uh, america's going to become a third world country well, it already is in a different. lot of ways, you know. I mean, you look around, you don't really see what's going on, but there's some screamingly poor communities in this nation. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? The debt, here's the surprising thing. You know, they say the federal debt's $19 trillion, $20 trillion. We, we, uh Afghanistan costs us $4.5 trillion. But uh, according to Pepe Escobar, you ever you ever uh-huh. listen to Pepe Escobar? He's pretty interesting. Uh, he says that the, the debt is anywhere from $250 trillion. And yes, the United States debt is anywhere from $250 trillion to $300 trillion. Right. I think that's closer to the truth for sure. What I can't yeah. understand is if we have all this, which we do, all this debt, how are we giving all these billions and billions and billions to all over the world, like, you know, Israel, $30 billion, uh, 23 wars we're in. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Uh, it's easily explained. They, they print the money out of thin air, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. That's all. And there's no value there, and people have agreed that it's the global currency, but that's what you were saying about BRIC, you know. Every day, more and more people are looking at the at the dollar as if what it is what it is, unmasked, monopoly money. You know, and they can only do that so long <laughs> before there's but bread I, lines, and there's already bread lines. So. I know they print the money, but but uh, I mean these legislators that we got. I mean, they're the ones that are voting and passing on all these budgets and all these things. I mean, yeah, what's in their brains that they 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 don't do something to cut back and just take care of us? Yeah, the yeah, Tenth Amendment. You know, <laughs> come on. But here's the thing, though. It's digital currency. It's not really currency in circulation. Oh, if I you, know it. I if, know yeah, that. But if you, how, how many dollars are there really in circulation? Not as many as they as we're in debt, that's for sure. <laughs> the figures well, on the balance sheets is what I'm talking about. Yeah, but I mean, the dollars in circulation, I think it's only about $1.2 trillion right. or $1.5 something like that. But we got a fifth. So if we have a twenty trillion dollar federal debt plus fifty trillion unfunded Medicare and Social Security, where the hell is the money going to be to pay off the debt? If there's only well, so much money in circulation, 
it's never going to be paid off. It's not meant to be paid off. It's only meant to sustain the wealthy, you know, the, the top. And until, so, yeah, the central bank, yeah. Yeah, and all of that's going to, you know, it's crashing down. I mean, it's changing so radically and, and more in more ways than we can even see. So what they're going to do is they're going to be in just as much trouble as everyone else when it really comes down to it because, you know, <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't think it's going to suddenly be no more ATM, but it's just a, a completely predictable slow decline into that. And thank God for emerging paradigms. That's all I can say. People will have to step up. <laughs> I don't know. It's going, very, it's going to be very, very interesting when the forensic study that the University of Alaska is doing uh, about the uh, the World Trade Centers. That report is due out in April of 2017. Wow. We already know the NIST report isn't right. Right. But when that that report comes out, that's when I wonder what they're going to do to try to get people's attention somewhere else so they they don't deal with it. Mm-hmm. No, that's what this whole thing's about going forward. We're going to see a lot of that, like the circus election and, you know, even more of a circus than usual because the controllers are kind of losing their control. And I, I don't know <laughs> what's going to happen. I mean... They do something big to make, to make you look up the other way. Yeah, so. yeah it's all going to come down at once. It's going to be a mess, but <laughs> it's going to be interesting, like you said. Yeah, I think I think what's going to happen is they're they're forcing uh, an issue, just like uh, Tom was making reference to earlier, that uh, it's it's coming to a point where they're going to need to do something. And and I think you're right, Tom. I think it is going to be it's going to be sooner than later. And uh, they need they need another distraction. They need something to kind of uh, defer all these things that's going on. And like Betty said, the, the 9-11 uh, research that's going on in uh, in Alaska, which is really, you know, it's commendable what they've been doing. So, yeah, it's, it's something, that's, something's coming up pretty soon. I'll, I'll feel the same way. Well, there's already so much uh, evidence as it is. <laughs> if people would actually look at it, there's plenty of evidence now. <laughs> Without the Alaska, I, I, I forgot what they're actually studying, but. Can you tell them, Betty? What's that? What they're doing up in Alaska. Uh, they, they're they doing a forensic study. They have the actual plans, of, particularly of uh, World Trade Center 7. And mm-hmm. uh, the, uh, the professor up there and mm-hmm. uh, their PhD students are doing this uh computer model and mm-hmm. what they want what they're doing is going to find out um how the trade centers come down a re- words, they're 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 saying uh, if there there is a structural failure they have to find out uh what the failure was exactly what it was mm-hmm. because they're because they're, they're saying if there's a failure, they have to find out because they have to correct what the failure is for the the safety of uh, future designs. Yeah, yeah, they were and, blown up. They were all and, blown up. Yeah, well, they, they already figured that out, but 
Yeah. It's, it's the proof thing. And I'm finding out as soon as I talk to people and I say forensic study, they're all of a sudden our eyes look up and they, you know, they're and they're they're happy to take my little card I give them. So just just the idea that that study is going on there, I think it's helping that more people yeah. are listening. I've handed out about I think it's about six cards that's uh, within the past couple of weeks. Not one of those people knew that there was a Building Seven that collapsed. Right. Wow. Not one of them. Yeah, wow. It, it's 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 really really amazing because you you look at the scary thing about it, and really it's the the most evil thing is is they got away with it until you know they actually are are, are like Betty said, it comes to a point where it's turned around, but they got away with it, and it's just it's unconscionable to think of something of that magnitude and evil and murder that anybody could get away with that, especially with people that are enlightened and took the time to research this. And and most of the folks, you know, uh, started out just like we all did here with uh, a lot of us here with Aaron Russo's group and so uh, AFTF. So it's just really unconscionable to think that uh, that thing's gone so long without any accountability and uh, people. Well, it's not just it's not just accountability. Those people are still in power. Right. That's the problem. They're the people that are still controlling everything. And and when you when you consider the ruthlessness and the evil, uh, they're they're more than willing to do it again. That's the, that's our problem. Oh sure, definitely, yeah. But there will be a time when all that information that has been gathered will mean something, and it will come out. Um, but yeah, you're right. I I have a kind of a metaphysical view of all of their their length of their control coming to an end. Um, I'll just say that and leave it at that. But, um, yeah, it's all going to come out eventually. It'll all come out. The sooner the better, of course. And it is happening. We're just, you know, kind of seeing seeing a delayed version of it as it goes by because there's so much going on and then the information surfaces. And, boy. Do you do you guys uh, know of uh, uh, anybody that's made a film yet that's kind of put it all together? There's tons of them. <laughs> yeah, but there, I, there's 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 a lot of decent films out there, but I haven't seen anybody that's really put it all together yet. Like well, you know, like oh, yeah, like Aaron did. Aaron did. You know, he connected the dots. Well, yeah. I, I think I think a lot of people have done excellent videos. There's there's a you know, just tons of them because I've given out, gosh, forty, fifty thousand just in the past <laughs> seven, eight years, and so has Jay. But uh, there's a lot, and, and a lot of through Jay's technology, we were able to take four and five films and put on one DVD and mm. play like the old DHS as being a uh, a slower mode, but it, you wouldn't lose the quality. But you could put eight hours on one DVD and, and give that out, which we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the the media has been out there for a long time, and, and I've given out thousands and thousands of DVDs, and uh, a lot of the people on here on this call have, have you know gotten those from me and from Jay as well. But uh, the thing is that uh, you look at the interest and in how the media has you know buried this, 
with people like uh, Glenn Beck and all the rest of them that simply tag and you know give people a name, and then it's been so discouraging for people to fight for so long. You know, Dave Von Kleist is, is very much been a part of this venue for a long time. He finally just up and went to uh, Argentina, I think it is, and uh, he, oh, really? he's, he's 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 been on here many times and. Uh, he just said it was too much for him. He, he's he's got a daughter that still lives in New York, and uh, Dave's a really good guy. I've, I spent many a long hour on the phone with him on cell phones, you know, back in 2009, talking with him. He's a good fellow, and uh, he just, you know, look at what he did, and, and so many other people. I think Sophia Smallstorm, um, that's her, not a real name, but she did uh, Nine Living Mysteries. I thought that was an excellent presentation, especially with uh, um, the way that. Uh, 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 the people after the, the rescuers were died as a result of uh, uh, saying the air was clean, you know, safe to breathe. And so that was a very good, detailed film, in my opinion, of, of what happened with 9-11. So there, there's a lot of them out there, and they're still up on YouTube. What, but the problem is... What was the, what was the first time? one I didn't... What was the first one I didn't catch the guy's name? Dave? Dave Von Kleist. He did... He did Inflink Sight, and he also did Ripple Effect, 9-11 Ripple Effect, which uh, he, he actually was on the venue like we are right now. Gosh, that was what, about back in 2007, D? And he said, everybody that's on the call that wants to copy that film for free, call the radio station, Power Hour, and you'll get it. And, and a lot of people did. Yeah, Dave's a good guy. Still is a good guy. And uh, he, yeah. he, gave that away, he gave that film wave to everybody that was on our call that night. That yeah, he puts out, still, still puts out some really good stuff on Facebook that not a lot of people are putting out. I mean, there are a few still from even from our group, like Cameron yep. Kirkland and stuff. But yeah, he's he's a cool guy. Yeah, but, but the thing is, there's been a lot of material out there, and and I it's so saturated with it. Uh, look at Stephen Jones. He, he was on our fifth anniversary show, Doctor Stephen Jones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Christopher Bolin, who was I call the uh, uh, the father of the uh, 9/11 Truth movement. He started out fighting this from day one with American Free Press. He printed everything. If it wasn't for mm-hmm. for Bolin's um, work, it would not have been covered in films like Loose Change, Second Edition, all the rest of them, because he had his research in documents. And he also right. has two. Out solving 9/11 and, and solving 9/11, the regional documents that he wrote the articles you know, ever since day one with uh, 9/11. So he was on our show, and so you know, there's tons of people that's fighting this, and all you have to do is read a copy of Chris Blinn's book, and he pretty well sums it up. Who yeah. did 9/11? Who did it? Uh, you look at who's running it, who's running. Who wants to run the Middle East? Who's running uh, uh, the porn in this country? Who's running the the uh, the government in this country? Who's running the Federal Reserve? Uh, who's always a Federal Reserve uh, chairperson? Uh, so you know, you look at who's running this, and, and Christopher Blinn spelled it out beautifully in his books. And um, so he he's uh, I think it's all out there. It's just a matter of people, you know, that either they want to learn it or they just ignore it. And and I think the media and the power of the business has done a very good job at steering people away from this. Oh, yeah. yeah. I just recently watched a film, and it's uh, Richard Gage and Niels Herrett uh, doing an interview. 
Um, and I was about going to try to pull up the actual title of it, but I don't have my computer. doesn't seem to want to work right now. That's a fairly new movie, right, Betty? I I really don't know, but it it, oh. it touched me. I mean, really. Yeah. I, uh, I can't remember the name of it, but I know what you're talking about. Um, Let's see if I can look it up. Here, here is Richard Gage and Neil Tara examining the truth of 9/11. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay, that's, that's yeah. The, that's the one. It's a uh, um, TV uh, show. Mm-hmm. And uh, that goes more into because Richard G- Neil Harris is a uh, professor of chemistry, mm-hmm. and uh, of course, and then Richard goes into you know an explanation of of uh, some little bit on the detailed uh, uh, part of the towers coming down, and uh, they're so hard to. Uh, you know, well, I can't put it in words too good, so your best just to uh, get it. You could, If you just go, it's on YouTube. Okay, I'll check Richard it out. Gage, yeah, examining the truth of 9-11, and it's a, it's mm-hmm. a like I say, a TV program show. Hmm. If I pull this up, I can maybe get the name of that. Is it a series? Is it a series, Betty, or? No. Okay. No. If you send uh, if you send um, Steve your email, I can send you some uh, stuff that's pretty pretty deep and good. Okay. Yeah, she's right yeah. on top of it, Tom. <laughs> okay. Good. Good. Well, you guys you guys need to uh, check out uh, Rebecca Roth. I think she's done some good research too. It's R O T H. It's um, R, yeah, R O R O T H. The first name is R E B E K A H. E K A H. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, uh, direct, does she go yeah. in with? The... What was that, Betty? Go ahead. Oh, well, you were asking a question. I wanted. We didn't hear you. I just wondered what direction what is is her material is it uh she uh she was a flight attendant so she oh, okay. uh is, is doing research from a flight attendant's perspective and okay. she is actually Yeah, she's actually uh got her hands on a lot of uh, uh information and then the she is uh analyzing it and uh uh, Has she done a video? Yeah. No, she's written huh? books, but the books she's written are uh, fictional. Uh, I haven't read them. I don't know how good they are, but you can find uh, her stuff on YouTube if you if you uh, you know enter her name in, in YouTube. A bunch of her videos will show up. Well, is there anything that's uh, uh, an hour length or fifty fifty some minutes? Um, you know? Well, the problem is most of her interviews are that long, so she's got several of them. Um, but I can, okay, I can. I do, uh, I do public access. I could get some of them on public access. Yeah, yeah. Well, you take a look at it. I mean, I, I, okay. I haven't done any research personally on her. Uh, you know, I can't verify her background or anything like that. 
but what she's saying is just makes a lot of sense and and it you know it shows that she's doing good research and um she's come out with a lot of uh new uh information uh and she's really putting uh, she's really connecting the dots um you know mm-hmm. adding to what everyone else has done up to this point mhm yeah look at it Everybody there yet? Yeah. I thought I lost the call. Is this this show confined to 911 again? Or can you bring other things into the the mix? Oh, is this Al? Hi, Al. We were were catching up with um, Tom Hemingway was one of our main jammer friends when we were doing the movie, to get the movie out with Aaron. And he called in tonight and he... Well, that's we great. Were sharing the, Betty was sharing the latest uh, 9-11 and vice versa. Yeah, we were talking about that. So uh, what do you have in mind, Al? <laughs> well, I, I, was, I was watching the big short uh, recently, and it talked about <laughs> what Wall Street did to, you know, uh, 8 million people losing their, their homes, 6 million people, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, losing their jobs, uh, as all on the backs of having fraud on Wall Street, and not a single person has been arrested, and none of the none of the uh, uh, atrocities of the uh, violations of our trust and the way our money supply works have been fixed. And in fact, we have twice the problem apparently with derivatives, real estate derivatives that we had in 2008, and uh, we're about to go into another one of these fun things where the government is going to be faced with bailing the banks out uh, and not bailing us out. And the Federal Reserve will be, I guess, giving them another 21 to 22 trillion dollars. And I'm concerned that if they if they try and bail the banks out again, then there might not be a civil war in this country. That's my concern. We were we were just discussing that with Sam a few minutes earlier, so I'm sure he's okay. got some feedback on that issue too. <laughs> you know, so and, and I, you go ahead. Civil war is going to happen whenever they try to take the guns. Oh, That's I agree. When the revolution will start. I I I agree. Um, there's 300 million handguns in the United States and 100 million automatic weapons. I mean, uh, assault rifles, and uh, I don't think there's a prayer that ever happening. Um, uh, on the other on the other hand, the states have done everything in their power to try and stop the manufacturers from continuing to grow. I did some consulting for both Colt and U.S. Repeating Firearms, Winchester, in Connecticut, but neither one of those companies are there anymore. I also worked for Colt. Um, as a consultant, but Colson Hartford, and they're a shadow of what they once were. And Beretta was down here in Maryland, where I live now, and they just picked up, and they're all moving to Utah. Um, you know, uh, it's as if they're trying to disarm us the way the Germans disarmed their people with Hitler who came into power, and the way the Russians disarmed uh, the people in, in Russia when, they, when, the, when the communists came into power. They're trying to make us defenseless like up against people with guns, and we won't have any. Um, but I do believe you're right. Uh, I live on on the Potomac River here, where the Civil War did happen. And we've got crossings that go across the Potomac into towards Washington D.C., all up and down the river, and also into Northern Virginia. And you see the signs of the battlefields all the time. And when you go into D.C., you see, of course, Robert E. Lee's home, where uh, the Arlington National Cemetery is. That big house there in Arlington uh, was Robert E. Lee's home. And so what did, what did our government do? 
after he was gracious enough to stop the Civil War, which he did, uh, he would have kept on going, and, and he didn't attack Washington, D.C. and burn it to the ground as it deserved to have happened. Um, they, they took his house and made it part of a cemetery. Um, but I don't think I, I don't think the Civil War is over at all. I think it's just about to begin, and we've we've uh, we're in a position where if the banks do what they what they appear to be doing, another coup, um, and the population mix continues to do what it is doing, it's out of control, and we get we have somebody like Trump come into power, we're going to have a we're going to have some kind of civil war, you know. Um, and I don't think it matters who comes into power, whether it's Hillary or or uh, or Donald. It doesn't. I don't think it matters. Well, uh, I think that, that we're at that point. The Bureau of uh, Engraving and Printing has fired uh, President Andrew Jackson as well. Isn't that right? I didn't know that. Huh. Oh, yeah, they're going to be doing that now? You're kidding me. Yeah, there will no longer be uh, a President Jackson on the $20 bill. If you'll Google, How interesting. On, if, if you will Google on the Internet, you'll find out who it is. Yeah. There's, an update, there's an update on that. Her picture's going to be on one side and his on the other. Did you hear that? No, I didn't hear that. Uh-uh. Uh, try to see if you can find that because I heard that a lot of people freaked out about that. And, uh, you know, uh, what's your Harriet Tubman on one side and, and him on the other? <laughs> well, that would be interesting. Um, I, have, I have a friend who ran, who ran that, that part of the government. His name is Ed Moy. Uh, for six years, um, I'd, I'd be interested to see what he thinks about all of that. Maybe I can get him to come on one of the calls one night. His name is Edmund C. Moy, M-O-Y. I met him. I met him at one of these, um, one of my Bitcoin things. That would be um, very about a year or so. Because the, yeah, the Federal Reserve does not print the money. The the Federal Reserve, no. uh, the money is printed by the U.S. Treasury, and there's two divisions. Right. One is the U.S. Mint that mints coins. And the other one is the BEP, which is called the Bureau of Engraving and Printing. And that's who prints right. the money that is distributed to the Federal Reserve. Right. Um, uh, uh, Ed Moy was the director of the United States Mint. Um, uh, let's see, let me, I'm looking at his, his resume right now. Let's see what the, what the deal is. I think he was also involved with, with printing the paper as well, I thought. At the BEP? Uh, let me Could be. Yeah. Yeah, uh, he was there um, from 01 to 06, and he's a big Bitcoin uh, guy these days, which is kind of surprising. Um, he's a Western guy. Yeah, that is surprising, very surprising. He's but, a very big, he's a very big Bitcoin. As a matter of fact, I mean, you can follow him on Twitter, and yeah. you'll see him talking about it, you know. And you can, and I don't know if he's got a Facebook page or not. I'm not a, I'm not. I like Facebook sometimes, but not all that much. But um, this guy is super smart, um, and you know he's 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 weaved the you know the all the alleys and, and dales of, of how things work. Um, but he's super. I'd be interesting to have his perspective on this kind of on on our on our talk show. Um, I'm, I'm going to give him an invitation. So when when Fred stops going to baseball games. Okay. And graduations and graduations <laughs> and graduations, we could actually have him on. You know, um, I don't think we got a while before that's going to be over. He's still got, <laughs> he's got three sons, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I think you know that. I know, that I'm yeah. I'm I, I, I love him to death, but I, oh, yeah. I, I, <laughs> I think, I, but but I mean I mean I mean I think that Fred makes you know really helps the whole show with all, with everybody that's here. 
you know, uh, moderate everything. He keeps me quiet, which is very difficult to, to do. <laughs> so, but anyway. <laughs> uh, You're not that hard. <laughs> I'm reading the article from the New York Times, and uh, it actually states it in there, and that's uh, confirmed by the uh, on the U.S. Treasury's website. But uh, Harriet yeah. Tubman is actually replacing Andrew Jackson on the $20 bill. So she will be. Wow. Didn't say anything about him being on the back. Nope. There will be some other people on the ten dollar bill. That's going to change. But they're going to keep yeah. up. They'll be showing two images. But Harriet Tubman is replacing uh, Andrew Jackson. He'll be turning over in his grave. Yeah, that's yeah. so weird because I, I, everybody knew that that was going to happen because you told us. But then I saw what looked like an official thing that said. He's going to be on the back after all, also on the same bill. It's a little weird that they would be doing that, isn't it? Why would they I bother thought, to do yeah. that? I don't know. I said people were outraged that they were taking him off or something. You know, it's, well, you know, I, 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 it's, it's just another sign of what's happening to the U.S. money. I mean, it isn't going to be worth right. a damn um, within five years. No one's going to they take might it. They might as well put Mickey Mouse on the front Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, if you go down to Mexico City right now and uh, try and, and try to open up a bank account with U.S. dollars, you can't do it. They won't take the money. Um, and, in fact, th- there was a report done by um, – you all know who Max Kaiser is, do you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, Max. RT Max, News. Max, yeah, he's one of my favorite people. Uh, he's, he's, he's crazy, but I love him. He's great. And he, he, he – he was talking about what's happened to uh, 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 contracts and things being conducted in U.S. dollars. It was 70% of all uh, international contracts around the you know everywhere were conducted in U.S. dollars, petrodollars, up until two or three years ago. It's now down to 50%. They expect that to be cut in half over the next three to five years. The hegemony of the U.S. dollar is over, and um, uh, you know I don't think that our dollars are going to be going to be taken in a lot of places in the near future. And the same thing is happening with the euro. I don't think the competing currencies from places like China or, or Brazil or uh, it's the, the BRIC banks, uh, India or any of those are going to take its place. I think it's going to drive one of my favorite pieces is, is things like Bitcoin or Ethereum. I don't know if that's going to happen exactly as I'm saying it, but I do think that if the, if the inevitable does happen shortly, that the cryptocurrencies will be uh, become the, the the medium that people will use to conduct business, at least locally. I don't know if they'll do it internationally or not, but uh, uh, it's a system that will grow like crazy. It'll just because you'll no have no other alternative because you won't be able to go to your bank, you'll be able to write a check, um, you won't be able to be, get liquidity. You know, when these kinds of things, despite their volatility, will be available. Whether or not people will use them or not is another question, but they don't have a bank in between you and your money. You know that's what these that's what these cryptocurrencies are all about, and that's the reason, by the way, that Ed Moy is a big fan of uh, cryptocurrencies, and he's a fan of gold as well. Those two things. And if if I was going to listen to anybody about U.S. money, I'm listening to Ed Moy because I think he's a really really smart man. Um, but you know, and, and I think we I think we've got another another massive recession coming again. When you guys all go out to the mall or go to your food store, are they as packed as they were three or four years ago? Do you think? 
or maybe you don't do that kind of observation, but I do. Any, anybody take a look around them? And, you know, how many stores are yeah, the, the, the malls certainly aren't as crowded, at least here in Portland. The, the, yeah. the big natural food stores are always packed, but the other stores, not so much. Yeah. I, mean, I, I think I think that I'm seeing it around here. I mean, we're supported by the federal government. You know, in this town that I'm in, you know, the the middle class and the upper middle class are being forced out of the town that I'm in, and all the homes are being replaced with, with you know, mega mansions. You know, ten, fifteen, twenty, thirty, forty thousand square feet. Half the time the people live there, and half the time they don't. I mean, I would say a third of the town that I'm living in is empty all the time. The buildings are owned, but the home, yeah. new homes are being put up. They're tearing down the, the little ones and putting up gigantic ones um, in their place. We're buying two or three houses and linking them together. But I go down to the village, you know, in Potomac here, and I see very few people in the village where the main shopping center is. Or I go over to, you know, um, Harris Teeter. The place is empty. Safeway, same thing. Crazy. Um, and you go and you go and look in the various shopping malls. How many how many closed stores do you find? I'm finding half the stores are closed. They don't exist anymore. You even forget what the stores were. And you know they were, you know they were there six months ago. Uh, I just wonder what's going on. And, you know, you're seeing it in Portland. Uh, everybody else, I mean, people from North Carolina here, of course, on the phone call. What are you all seeing? What are you seeing in Chicago? You know, it's it's hard it's hard to imagine what's actually happening. Hmm. I don't know. Strange, it's a strange time. It's a really strange time. But, but the thing is, going back to the thing with the big short, we now know what happened, and we know what's happening again. Not a single person got arrested. No one went to jail. Yeah, of course. No, and, 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 and yeah, but here's here's the thing: if it happens again, or is is there going to be is there going to be people sitting around saying, "Oh, that's too bad," and the, we're going to let the government bail them out again, or is it going to be? That an armed camp coming in from Long Island, Connecticut, and all around the country goes down to Wall Street and waits for the people to get up the subway system. Or will they burn the buildings to the ground? Will they come into, into D.C. and say, we've had enough of all of this nonsense? You know, um, it, it's, it, it, we've become, a, I mean, an interesting dictatorship in, in a way. I mean, um, and I just wonder about it. I wonder what's going to happen. Uh, and, and it doesn't seem to be getting any better. Uh, you know, I, I supported a guy named David Trone, and I think I mentioned this in one of the other phone calls. David Trone was going to run, we did try to run for Chris Van Hollen's seat, the guy that helped Nancy Pelosi get the health care bill through back in 2010. David Trone happens to own um, Total Wine. I'm sure anybody who's here in the United States that's on this call knows of, of Total Wine. And he built it with his brother from, from uh, ground up. So he did it in 25 years. He paid for his entire campaign with his own money, just like Donald Trump did. But his, his attitude about things is entirely different, opposite of what, uh, what Donald Trump is about. Education, that once you've gone through college, if you do four years or five years of community service, you know, I say it's going to pay for it, which is kind of interesting. So if I went to whatever school I went to, if I knew that I was going to do community service afterwards, more with my regular job, would I not do it if I was faced with a half a million dollar bill or even a hundred thousand dollar bill for a student loan? Wouldn't you rather have the government say, oh, okay, well, you've done this, you're doing community service and you're going to be paying taxes anyway. 
You know, let's educate America. That's the kind of thing this guy is, 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 is all about. Um, I mean, it's the kind of statesmanship we need. He hires people that have, that have been incarcerated. He doesn't bother to even ask a question on his application for, for employment. He, and, and this may not sound like a lot of money, but he pays his average worker $25 an hour plus benefits. Where, you're talking about someone, but where's he from? Would you say his name was? His name is David Troney from Potomac, Maryland. Oh, Maryland. Okay. Yeah, he's from here. He's from here. You know, if Hillary was smart, she'd pick somebody like him up to be the, her running mate. But of course, she's going to get indicted or get hit by a bus. One, I mean, I'm not sure which one it's going to be. Um, and then we've got we've got Mr. Sanders. Um, almost beginning to sound sane when you when you listen to, to you know the other politicians that are out there. <laughs> I don't know what to think, one way or the other. But uh, as, as I said on, on Twitter the other day, I'm an expat American living in the United States for my whole life, and it, it's, it's hard to it's hard to fathom what's going on. You know, it's difficult. Yeah, well, you have to look in a lot of areas to see it. I mean, I spend time looking at the the trade graphs from all over the country, all over the world, the Baltic Index. You know, there's always different right. opinions about the dollar. We just we were discussing the BRIC uh, countries before you came on. And sure. so, you know, you have to look at a lot of different levels of it to, in order to even have some inkling of understanding of it. But the picture is pretty clear, really. <laughs> it's, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, even when you do understand stuff, you don't understand it because things are going on in the background that we're not, we're not aware of. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so deep and it's so fecund and, you know, it's just, it's crazy. But the thing I'm most concerned about is what the people are doing about, you know, what, who's who's emerging, who's standing up, who, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are really in the trenches that know a lot of the truth. And that, that kind of gives me hope. And, of course, lots of groups like this where people show up and share information and stay informed and, and I think that's the key is, to, you know, being able to be the person in your community that people will come to when it comes time to to answer what the hell's happening here, you know, because well, there will be a point mm-hmm. that people are going to get the picture that something is beyond what they thought it was. That has surprised me that that doesn't happen more every day, but I think it actually does. It's just, we don't see it. <laughs> we can see the bad stuff, but. But what do we do about it? I mean, let's assume for a moment that we solve the entire mystery of what happened on on you know, two and nine eleven. We find exactly who was involved, and we really get down to the nitty gritty. And it turns out to be elements of our own government and working in coordination with some other people. What what do we do about that? What can well, we do? What, what, what you and I do? Doing, educating themselves, and like Tom was saying, we need we need a movie like KFTF that covers it in general. But Fred, Steve turned him on to a bunch of stuff that he may not have known about movies and things, and he shared something with us as well. Dee Dee, let me real quick, though, I won't forget. Sure, uh, go ahead. Just a second, Al. Uh, Betty, uh, I was chatting uh, backstage with Alona Blakely, who's in Panama, and she said to thank you for the contact information for Sherry Jackson. She said she did get it, and the thank you. Oh, good. Also, uh, Tom in uh, Seattle, Alona said she does remember you and says hi. So, uh, uh-huh. uh, Lona Blakely, I just chatted with her. She's on Skype, and we're, uh, I just chatted with her on uh, Panama. And I invited her to join yeah. us tonight, but she's in a webinar. So, yeah, go ahead, Al. Yeah, I mean, we, we were in, I was on, before I came on. I, I got a, I, I came on a half an hour late. 
Um, uh, and I was talking to some associates in, in Melbourne, Australia, for the past hour or so. And we're talking about helping uh, build Belize, which is, uh, which may most of you probably do know, it's a country in Central America, the Commonwealth country like Canada, it's English speaking. And the guy that's leading the charge domestically here is a guy by the name of Richard Chrysler, Dick Chrysler. The name of this, well, we, you know, obviously everybody in this phone call knows about American manufacturing, will know that name. He was a, he was a congressman from, from Michigan uh, to, the, you know, to, to our United States Congress. He's quit being a citizen and moved to Belize. And I'm thinking to myself, what is going on here when people leading, you know, American industrial families are picking up and leaving the country? You know, what does that mean? Um, you know, and the guys out in, out, in, out in Australia, you know, we're trying to figure out how to do business with this guy. And but at the same time, I, I got to call somebody in Australia to do some business with somebody in Belize. It's just, this is ridiculous. It's kind of weird, you know. Um, and I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, you know, things used to be simpler, I think. I mean, what do all you think about? I mean, do you think it's more complex now? Or is, it, is it dirtier or is it, or is it just the same as it always has been? What, I mean, what? The way the world's going, maybe I'm just getting old or something. I don't know. I mean, I, just, I can't figure it out. I can't figure uh, out what's going on. Well, if I had the kind of money that could take me somewhere and start retiring on a nice warm place, I'd go no matter what. <laughs> well, yeah. But well, I get your well, point. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, that's why that's why I'm doing this, this the Bitcoin and Ethereum thing. The, the, yeah. the, the fact the fact of the the fact of the matter is that people are denied incomes through a phony mechanism. Why is sure. somebody who picks up who picks up our garbage any less valuable than our doctor? Well, try and have try and have no garbage picked up for a month and see how you feel. Sure. You know? Um and and you know, why should why should somebody who's working in a McDonalds, um well let's make it let's make it make it more interesting. Walmart be told, here's how here's your, your pay packet looks like and by the way we're going to teach you how to go on public assistance so you can get free medicine, medical help, and, and, and insurance coverage from the U.S. government. Uh, you know, frankly speaking, I'd rather pay a little bit more and buy American products rather than go into Walmart and buy their crap. It's as simple as that. And yet we allow it to happen in this country. Um, you know, um, I mean, we take a look at our automobile manufacturers. General Motors and the rest of them made junk until recently. I mean, I like the new I like the new automobiles coming out of General Motors, but a lot of them are made in Germany, believe it or not. You know, um, even the even the upper end Corvettes are made in Germany. You know, I thought they were all made here, but not not in Detroit. So I mean, we're I mean, we're just doing things to ourselves that don't make a whole lot of sense. You know, and I don't really understand it. Well, it's really a matter of people in general for decades, generationally, not being educated or told the truth. You know, I saw documents way back that were written to start in the 50s, how they were going to uh, dumb down the public school system. And they they put one of their people in, in president of most of the major colleges, and that, that was part of it. But, you know, it's just a systematic dumbing down, and it's so complex, the money system – Everything, unless you're a counterculture person and you're looking from another side of the coin, there's no way you're going to be able to wade through all the things that are happening out there. And that's why people don't step up. A lot of people do, and a lot of people have a voice, and they write on blogs, and they have shows, and they they do everything they can. Unfortunately, the rest of the 
masses don't see all that, you know, unless they're really sure. looking for it. They don't. They don't get inspired. They don't get to be part of the collective consciousness that says, "Hey, just our awareness has changed." You know, just knowing what's going on is enough to do. If you don't know what else to do, wait until you're called and then respond. You know, but educating yourself and really having the courage to look past the word conspiracy theory and figure this stuff out is really the key. And I have I have faith in collective consciousness because I know that it's it's changing. You know, there's only so much power you can have when you stay locked in the third and fourth dimension, and that's what all these controllers, they can't really go into a higher consciousness mentality. They're not capable of seeing it. But us as yeah. a race, as a human, as a planet, we're doing that. We are going yeah. into the higher uh, realms of thinking, and it's spreading like wildfire. Fire. And of course, you don't know what it is if you're you know, if you don't even, you know, how your money's made or how you you know, there's so much that people don't know, and that's what's holding it back. So, yeah. but, you know, people say, oh, why don't we get all these groups and put them together? Well, that's not possible because this whole journey is an individual journey of waking up on so many levels, and even even that's confusing for a long time, you know. It, 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 really, it really is. You're right. So, yeah, you got religion, you got politics, you got education, you've got environmentalists, you, you've got, oh, God, it's a spiritual crisis, you yeah. know, and that's about it. But, you know, it, and it's frustrating when you try to share and, you know, you say something that you think is a pea-sized bit of information and people act like you hit them with a bowling ball, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it takes time for, a, you know, a flowering bud to open up. You can't force it, you know, and it's frustrating, right. though, because it's, yeah. Yeah. Well, we're we're trying we're trying to experiment in in, in Cincinnati right now. Uh, a friend of mine is rebuilding uh, 80 houses, and um, the the mortgages are going to be uh, at the, at the based upon the cost of the, of the rebuild of the house. The interior is going to have you know stainless steel, marble, etc. Maybe thousand square feet, fifteen hundred square feet would be the average home, and it'll cost seventy thousand dollars with a zero percent mortgage uh, on it, and held in a trust. And it will turn it will turn a slum and hopefully into a reasonable place to live. Um, and then you know it's it'll it'll allow somebody with a family income of thirty dollars an hour between two two working adults to live there you know comfortably. We might even try and and just uh, uh, you know um, improve the income of the people living there by giving them fifteen dollars each per hour of crypto in addition to what they've earned in their conventional jobs and see if we can't get the community to accept the cryptocurrency and give it some value the way Bitcoin has grown. In the there past you go. Couple weeks. That's, yeah, yeah that, that's the thing on the local level. There's so many, you know, somebody, I was talking to somebody the other day, and she's going, well, I really get all that because my boyfriend's really into this, and we, we were talking, I can't remember what venue we were in, but, um, you know, let's see, what was the point I was trying to make? Uh, oh, shoot, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> I'm sorry. You're, getting, you're getting like me, Didi. Yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, God. Oh, that's funny. Oh, well. But, but, but <laughs> we, uh, we're going to try this. We're going to try this out and see if it actually works. So if you've got you know, $30 an hour coming in between two two people, we'll make it 60 And then we'll ask the community members that that, 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 that trade, you know, vegetables, shoes, clothing. So, you know, go ahead and, and see if you will accept it, this currency. And then if they need to convert it, we have it. We have an ex- several exchanges that will convert the currency into dollars, okay? 
Um, uh, and, you know, we're trying to figure out how to make it work the way it should work and, and see whether or not this will actually work in a local community. If it works like if it works the way we'd like it to work, and I'm hoping that it will, no guarantees that it will, then, you know, we can then begin to supplement people's income to living below the poverty line. And as people begin to see the value of the currency increase uh, around, around the country and around the world, hopefully people will be able to begin to exchange for the currency and give it value, then more value and more, and more uh, of, a, of a reserve for dollars and other things. So when you have to pay taxes and the like, you can do the conversion, but the communities will begin to become knit, knit together in a virtual way. And so, you know, you and you'll be able to spend these, this particular currency. By the way, even if it's even if it's issued uh, locally in, you know, in, in in Cincinnati, Ohio, you'll be able to spend it in uh, I don't know London, China, any place, etc. You'll be able to convert it if you want, or if people will accept it directly because it is an, an Ethereum or Ether coin, which uh, just recently raised 180 million dollars in 15 days by the way, for particular projects, which I can't figure out, they call the DAO, the DAO, um, the phenomenon is beginning to grow now. Will it be big like the dollar? Who knows? Well, could it die? Maybe. Um, but, you know, Bitcoin is doing pretty well these days. It went from being, you know, sub, sub a fraction of one cent to $460 a Bitcoin right now. It went as high as 1200 Yeah. You see it everywhere. I'll, I'll be looking around at websites that really don't have anything to do with just anything in particular. I follow a train of thought, but but I'll see a thing on there that says we accept Bitcoin for Bitcoin. your subscription. You know, so it's right. really cool. It, it, really, is, it is cool. I, Steve just got a, a message from Fred. Um, okay. Do you want to share that, Steve? Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, he said that he and Mary Beth are in Kingston, New York, and said uh, – his son's team lost today. I guess they had a, a big game uh, at the college, and uh, they play again tomorrow. And said that he appreciated uh, the sharing about Jay's surgery, and he wishes best for uh, his recovery. And uh, also, I mentioned to I shared with him too, Tom, that uh, uh, that you were on the call, and I'm sure he remembers you. I hadn't heard back from, but I, I did share that with him via text. Uh, Fred Smart. Right. So. Uh, that's kind of cool. I'm glad you were able to circle hey. back around with us. That's really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I, mean, I, I think we. I think the reason I'm the reason I'm I'm I'm, I'm bringing this thing about Bitcoin up. It's a way of communicating worldwide and, and bringing and beginning to build a virtual community around resources. It's not about selling anything. It's about resources. Can we communicate yeah, with through resources? It's an, an emerging paradigm for sure. That that's a, a, a separation out of the old paradigm of the useless dollar. So yeah, I support. I mean, you can see that's what I would call being able to monitor an emerging paradigm, something that pulls the controllers out of their position and the lead, which I believe they're already out, but they're fighting. Um, but that's that's exciting. That's one of the things about the Bitcoin that I really like is it's it's an emerging paradigm. It's representative of change that is happening, you know, so that it says, well, there's this, and then there'll be this, and this, and this, and like Fred said, pretty soon Washington, D.C. will be a museum. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd, like, I'd like it to be like more of a tourist zone. You know, it should be like, you know, yeah, you, you go there and, and you and your amusement parks and, you know, and, and what used to be the United States of America and all that kind of thing. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 
it's I mean it is it is an incestuous place. Living around it, you know, as I have for the past twenty years, I never expected to live in and around Washington D.C. ever. I somehow managed to do this for the past twenty years. Um, you see how dispassionate people are to one another, and how abusive it can become. Uh, and it's really not a government that gives a damn about any lives at all. They don't care about us at all, you know. And everything is is security. You can't get near the White House. There's lots of streets you can't go, you know, down anymore. And they shut the they shut the, the, the subway down a couple of weeks ago because they claimed it was electrical problem. They shut, the, shut down an entire system for two days. Well, we know what that was about. You know, somebody threatened them with terrorism. They shut down the subway system. You know, uh, one way roads where they shouldn't be one way roads. They changed the direction of roads in the middle of the afternoon, going down across the boulevard into the city. I mean, it's it's a it's a place that. I don't even I don't recognize what exactly it's supposed to be doing. I don't know what it does, and and yet we have people that want to become you know the leadership in there. You, you've got Hillary and, and Bernie and and uh, and Donald and Mickey Mouse and you know and Goofy you know Daffy Duck. I don't know uh, who want to. You got the Council want, of Foreign Relations. Is what you got <laughs> picking well, it, our prison. I know. I mean, in the town that I'm living in, we've got the Carlisle Group and the Blackstone Group, they're headquartered right here. They're not in the city, they're right here. You know, um, and, you know, we've got all the, the politicians here and the, you know, and, and, the, and the lobbyists, and they don't live here most of the time. They live every other place, but they keep a home here. Um, it's, a, it's the most bizarre place I've ever lived in my entire life. I don't know why I'm still here, actually speaking. You know, um, maybe it's always soon gone. I don't know, but uh, I can't imagine staying here much longer. Um, I'm always thinking about being someplace else, anyplace but here. <laughs> in yeah, some way, that's what it feels like in the city a lot of the time because people are, you know, so disenfranchised and they're so cruel to each other sometimes, and it's just so much cement. And uh, I just sometimes I feel like going into a monastery. <laughs> <laughs> I need some peace and quiet. <laughs> I, I what area? Of, what area of Cincinnati are you uh, talking about? Those houses you're doing? Uh, Sedamville. S e d a m. Sedamville. Does that you know, know that place in Sedamville? S e d a m. No, that's new on me. I left Cincinnati many years ago. But, uh, okay. Not heard. So, of Sedam- Sedam- Sedamville is on the. Other side of the Ohio River, going more towards, uh, I guess, Kentucky, but it's part of Cincinnati. Okay. Past Covington. Uh, yeah. If you if you if you if you Google it, you'll see it's right on the Ohio River. Huh. Uh, and you can walk across the bridge and be in the downtown area. S e d a m v i l l e is the spelling of it. It's a different name in the past. It could be, but I think, I think that. It's a part of the city that lost its way a long, long time ago, um, and you know, just it just people just just uh, left the place. You know, just type in Saddamville, it'll come up, um, and you'll see what you know what it's about. So it's Saddamville, Ohio, our Cincinnati, Greater Cincinnati. So it's our thinking that if if we could figure out how to re- rehab the buildings. Um, we're working through the churches and the, and the local uh, ministries there, see if we can't, you know, rebuild that particular part of the city. It wouldn't make a difference. And there's a, there's a, a guy on the ground there, who's a, a uh, I guess, is a Methodist minister, 
who's moved in from North Carolina to coordinate all of it. And I'm just involved with it tangently. I'm, they asked me to look at the, how to structure the insurance for 80 buildings on the on, you know, on a river in the event of a flood. Well, I know exactly what to do, you know, um, whether or not the, the project can actually afford to pay for the insurance just in case the river decides to overflow its banks, another question altogether, and how to protect the construction as it's going on. But, um, you know, I'm, 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 inter- I'm intrigued by the project. It's like a um, Habitat for Humanity on steroids, and it's all being, it's all being done that way. Whether it'll work or not, God knows. I have no idea. Um, but the folks that are involved with it seem to be uh, 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 very much excited about it. There's a guy named Peter Block uh, also involved. Uh, he's a, a native Cincinnatian. I guess is, he's a fairly wealthy, uh, uh, a fairly wealthy family from Cincinnati who has been leading part of the, the public relations part, uh, business to make things happen there. Peter's, I guess, in his mid-70s. Uh, but he moved back from Connecticut from... Uh, New Haven. He'd gone. He'd uh, done most of his, I guess, most of his work in 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 Connecticut, but decided to move back to Cincinnati to do this project um, for the city where his family uh, had been living for, I guess, for the past fifty or hundred years. I don't know. I mean, I never heard of Sidonville before, and you know, and it doesn't surprise me. You've never oh, heard well, of it. We used, we used to call that part of uh, Kentucky Covington. Okay. Is Covington still there? I don't. I don't think so. I think it's ah. just called Saddamville. I'm ah. going to look at the map now. I'm going to enlarge the map. Um, well, it's like part of the inner city when I was a kid. Even still, people remember the name as Rosantaville was the old name for the inner part of Cincinnati at one point. Yeah. Let's see. Um, it's near. It's near Bromley. Does that make? Is that? Is that rec- recognizable? No. Bromley Road. And, and Route 71 goes, Route 71, which becomes Route 75, goes right over the Ohio River, right in the middle of, of the Hello. community. Yeah. And then there's, and then there's Devo Park. Do, do you know that name? D-E-V-O-U Park. And no, Ludlow. Well, Ludlow, I remember that name. Yeah. And then there's, then there's Eberhoff's Woods and Nature Preserve. Hmm. Does that ring hmm. a bell at all? No. Uh, it, I got it, there in about '66. Oh, that's, yeah. It's it's da- it's south of West Eighth Street, I guess, which is downtown, oh. near Wausau Avenue and um, uh, Albert Alberton Avenue. Or, you know, it's Elberon Avenue. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Do you remember the? Uh, I think below the third used to be what they call the Third Street Distributor. Yeah. Uh, that was the early days of the interstate system. Yeah. Well, let's see. There's Lynn Street nearby. There's Jess Street, West Eighth, West Eighth Street West. And there's there's Delhi and Delhi Hills surrounding it. Delhi, I guess. Delhi Hills. Uh, West Street is north of it. Uh, Wasser Avenue, State Street. Yeah, State Avenue, etc. Gurley Road. Is that any of these streets are? Uh, you remember any of these names at all? No, no. I, I grew up on the north side of Cincinnati. That's uh, it. Well, this is right on the river. This, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I, I'm a little familiar with that area, but not much. You know, not like a sure. I live downtown. Yeah, yeah. 
I mean, I, I didn't I didn't know anything about Cincinnati until I was asked to do a little bit of work on a project uh, uh, by my I, friends. One, one time I hiked uh, Vine Street twenty miles out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where uh, do you, where do you live now? Where do you live now? Uh, Huntington, West Virginia. I'm up the river a little bit. Okay. So uh, you're 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 twenty minutes you're twenty five minutes from where I am, I guess, right? Well, you're on the river. No. Well, I'd say it's more like a, you know, an hour. An hour. Okay. Yeah. It's a corner of West Virginia, Kentucky, and Ohio. Yeah. But in West Virginia. Yeah. So you have more than an hour from where I am, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, well, it's, it's an interesting place, I must admit, Saddam. But I mean, I don't know that I want to live there myself. But yes. It's, it's, it's an experiment. Pretty good place. I was told one time, Al, when I was much younger and went up there, was working at... Uh, at the airport, they said, uh, I said, where, where do you got to be careful about going to? They said, well, just don't go to Covington, Kentucky by yourself. <laughs> don't cross <laughs> the river. That's a dangerous place, especially the nightlife over here. I said, okay, I'll stay away from there. They said, yeah, don't ever go to Covington by yourself. Wow. Wow. Well, I think America is becoming a dangerous place. Don't go out at night everywhere these days. <laughs> I don't know. So anyway, um, we, we we're supposed to have a guest tonight. I guess that guest didn't wasn't able to show up. Is that right? Yeah, the one that uh, did the interview. Uh, yeah, I got make yeah, it. Fred oh yeah, sorry. Yeah. Hey, I got something I want to read that's really funny. Can I have a second to do this? It's not very long, but a friend of mine just sent this to me. I thought you'd you guys would appreciate hearing it. Sure. <laughs> that, I says Michelle Obama reminded attendees at the naturalization ceremony Wednesday that the founding fathers weren't born in America. The ceremony of 50 new U.S. citizens was held in the National Archives in Washington, D.C. She said during her speech, referring to the Declaration of Independence, it's amazing that just a few feet from here where I'm standing are the signatures of the 56 founders who put their names on the on a declaration that changed the course of history. And like yeah. the 50 of you, none of them were born in America. They became American. And then she says, right. excuse me, did she actually mean that those who signed the Declaration of Independence and participated in the drafting of the Constitution were not born in America? Benjamin Franklin was born in Pennsylvania. Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, and James Madison were born in Virginia. And John Adams was born in Massachusetts. Only eight of the 56 were not born in America. Surely she knew this. And they're sure. not. But then again, maybe not. After all, she is a Harvard gra- graduate, isn't she? And as John Wayne said, life's, life's tough. It's tougher when you're stupid. And by the way, the Constitution <laughs> was not signed in Washington, D.C. It was signed in Philadelphia. Oh, I guess it's true. He can't fix stupid. <laughs> <laughs> well, stuff, isn't it? Yeah, she's uh, she's my seventy-eight-year-old friend from uh, Lancaster, California. She's a real character. That's well, fun. It's a well-written piece for sure. It's fun. It's a fun piece. Yeah, it's a great piece. It is. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> there's, there's a piece by by Barbara Beller. She's a, a she's running for for uh, she was running for for uh, uh, I guess Congress in Illinois. Has she, she wrote a, that? A, she wrote, yeah, she wrote, she, Barbara Bella wrote a one sentence description uh, oh. of, of Obamacare. It is oh, that I, see, one yeah. of the, I think it's one of the funniest things I've ever heard in my life. She talks about uh, Congress didn't read, read the, the law, exempted themselves from it, 
uh, you know, administered by uh, the president by who smokes, an obese, you know, uh, health health uh, secretary, and it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, really, really, super well written. I love, I love uh, well written stuff. You know, tricky stuff oh, like yeah. that. Yeah, um, everybody on the you know what you do is just Google it and use the name Barbara Bellar, B E L L A R, and she's a former nun. She's a lawyer. She's a doctor. Um, she's she's terrific. You know, really funny. It's sort of like the, it's sort of like the piece in at the beginning of uh, V for Vendetta. Where the guy is using uh, alliterations on the word V, and it goes on and on and on. If you've seen the film, uh, it's one. Of, it's just a, an amazing. It's an amazing language piece about uh, about himself and who he is. Anybody familiar with the film at all? Even Vendetta at all? Maybe not. Yeah, sure. Yeah, you know when he appears and 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 uh, Evie is being attacked by the by the thugs from uh, I forget their fingermen. I guess is what they call them. And he uh, just introduces himself. And that's great. That's great writing as well. It was an alliterate. I think it's like 78 words starting with the letter V. Oh, um, wow. Yeah, I counted them all. That's a lot to do, right? My old friend, uh, uh, Paul Shockley, wrote a book called uh, Words Into Wine. And I don't think it ever actually got published, but Words Into Wine was such a brilliant concept back in the 70s to me because I love words, too, and I love to read. And, and when something's well-written, it really strikes your heart. And he used to call that, it's Words Into Wine. <laughs> right. It's, it's, it's yeah. amazing. It is absolutely mm-hmm. amazing stuff. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, we've been having several really weird days here. After four days of being heavily chemtrailed, now it's just kind of sullen and gray, not rainy, not really cold, but not really, it's just the weirdest thing. It's kind of a dampered down feeling of weather. I'm hoping it's going to change again soon to bring some sunshine back in. I hope so. I hope so. (laughs) Unless, unless, Unless it's time for the aliens to take over the planet. Maybe it's going to come up. In from from the moon and <laughs> take over everything. Well, you know that, it, that that's not going to happen because in all the history of of UFOlogy and all the great people that have come forward, you know, in the Disclosure Project and just yards of material going back in time out of mind, no nobody's actually ever been harmed by an, an uh, off-world intelligence person. The, all the abductions and the cattle mutilations were false flags. They were done by really? the U.S. government. <laughs> yeah. There's never oh, wow. been a if you're a serious researcher and you actually know what's going on and, you know, have had experiences being contacted, um, you you get that that's a false flag. That's all disinformation. It's like the whole cannabis thing, you know, the, the medicinal end of that. It's it's just uh, yellow journalism. They spend, I think Dr. Greer told me, and this was several years ago when I was working with him, that it, 90 to $100 million a year is spent of the taxpayer's money. I'm sure it's much more covering up the truth about, uh, you know, the off-world uh, people that we're involved with and are involved with us here. But it is yeah. our planet, and finally there are enough people that are aware enough and had communications and know, you know, that it's this is real, are saying, you know, come on, you know, come on, let's let's see something together. But I think that a lot more is being done with our off-world allies than most people, I'm sure, most people are aware of, because there's a lot that goes on that, like you said, we don't know about, and that's definitely part of it. There's no question well, about it. 
I had so, my yeah. my my first father-in-law. His name was he was a, a lieutenant general in the Air Force. He, they finally they retired him, and he one day he brought me down to the basement of his house, and he shows me a map. You know of all these things where he had pins in the in the in the map. He said, you know what this is? I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. It looks like the place you live. He said, no, I was part of Operation Blue Book. Sure. Said, what the devil is Operation Blue Book, you know? I was in my 20s at the time. He said, it's, it's the U.S. government's uh, uh, investigation into, into UFOs. I said, well, what oh, do you yeah. think about it? He said, we saw them all the time. When we were, when oh, we were yeah. over Europe, when we were over Europe, when we were, mm-hmm. he, was, he was stationed in England, he said, we saw them, they flew to fly around us all the time. I think oh, well, I mean, yeah, no, Project Blue Book, yeah, that's like, yeah, that's not a secret anymore. I mean, there's, if you really look at the serious sites out there with broadcasters and radio shows that are, are the real deal, you'll see there's sightings every single day all over yes. the world, and it's a very yes. profound experience to be able to, to participate. You know, and something looks like it's Photoshop, but you, you can't Photoshop this stuff, you know. It's, I know. It's, it's real, and they've, you know, the government's got the time travel program, and they, you know, they're just, but, you know, I, I think, in fact, I know, as far as my knowing goes, is that uh, there's no longer a lot of restrictions on some of these uh, species that are monitoring us and have been involved. There's yeah. there's no more real restriction on how much they can uh, participate, because there's enough people that know that we need that kind of help. But at the same time, they're they're 100%, you know, have kept a lot of nuclear activity from happening because it not only affects the planet, it affects all kinds of of, of species in the universe, you know, for, at a great, great distance. And it's, you know, it's they're, they're invested in, in what we've been doing. But we, we were in quarantine as a planet for a long, long time because of yes. a lot of stuff that's going to be a whole other subject. But that's not, that's not happening anymore and hasn't been now for the last 40 years or maybe 30 or 40 years. And um, so, you know, I don't know exactly in what detail that brings, but it's like any other subject that we've discussed on this call. There's so many people that have been turned away from the truth by being distracted or mis- misinformed. That's just another part of it there, of course. It, it, is, it, is, it, is, ama- it is amazing. I, mean, I, I know that I've seen them. You've seen them. And then if you ask somebody about it, they tell you that you're crazy. Well, I've you seen know. them. I've had up close and personal experiences, and I, I know a lot of people that have. You know, James Gilliland's one of them, and his place up there in Trout Lake, the uh, Mount Adams. I mean, Mount Adams, Washington, uh, uh, in Trout Lake, Washington. Yeah, been, I've been up there when there are people from all over the world coming in there, and uh, you know, with cameras and biologists and scientists, and you know, it's. Yeah, and Steve, I know, saw something on the other day about James and the power-ups. Well, I experienced those power-ups, Steve, with um, Alfred Weber mm-hmm. a couple of different times when we were up there working together. But, yeah, so it's pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, his it, uh, it, it his ranch was uh, was actually featured in one of the episodes of uh, Paranormal Research Society, uh, which is based out of Penn State University. So they went up to uh, James's UFO ranch and uh, did an episode that was on A and E National Network. Right. So uh, that was yeah. really. Interesting. He suffered a lot of ridicule. I mean, I can remember the 
two or three summers I was up there most of the time after my divorce. It was really helped me recover. But he sent me over to the local dairy farmer to try to deal with this guy because he kept shutting the water off to the place, and we had ponds and all this stuff. <laughs> and, sure. And they, you know, just because they were UFO people, and everybody in that whole area, you know, knows them because they have huge events, a big conference center there, and people from all over the world come there. And I worked on events there and spent a lot of time in the beginning when we were actually pounding the thing together. But, um, man, I've had some experiences there where he left me alone there a few times and gave me both phones and said, I'll be back, because it's a real burnout to try to handle the people that come through there if they're not, invited or they're you know so yes, but, sure. uh, just like james said at 10 o'clock 10 p.m that's when the show starts and it never fails if you want to see a a light show of, <laughs> of them powering up it always happens at 10 p.m yeah well they, they do come in i remember one night we we watched this gigantic ship come through the milky way and you can see it the milky way really good out there because it's dark yeah right and james, right james was in the in the in the house and he he came out and he was so upset that he had missed that. <laughs> so there's a lot of stuff that happens there. You know, I've seen ships come together. You know, and people say, well, I want to see something bigger than the quarter. Well, when you're looking at a vast lit-up sky and you're watching, you know, so you can't, the satellites aren't self-illuminated and they stay closer right. to the horizon. But these ships, and there's a base in Mount Adams, you know, they'll come through there and I remember I had a friend up there, and she was quite a skeptic, and she was saying something about something, and they started zigzagging, you know, like these sharp zigzags, this one ship, and then it started going straight, and we were all laughing our heads off because she was, I mean, they, and and we, you know, there's these big laser lights, and so everybody's sky watching, you know, I've been there when there's a few people, and there's been there when there's hundreds of people in these big fields, and the people with the laser lights will spot them and then they'll show them so everybody gets to see them. And many times they've they've stopped above and everybody says, power up, power up, and they power up. They just light up. And that's what Steve was talking about, having seen that. It's very exciting. Your feet come off the ground. I mean, <laughs> it's really exciting. It is exciting. I mean, I, I, mean, I, I, mean, I think they did not. I mean, I mean the, the Catholic Church is finally, well, not finally, but a few years ago actually, you know, maintain that that they actually believe in themselves as in aliens being here. But of course, they've been around. You know, they they're probably aliens themselves. Well, you know? yeah. Well, all these people that are in control, they're they're reincarnated species. That you know, and and in, in my understanding, the archons are an unphysical uh, force in nature, and they're the ones that originally gathered what people call the reptilians and the Orions together, and they're the ones that have reincarnated over and over again. And Bush and Clinton, all these people, the popes, the, the queen, they're all aliens. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're, they're mutated, psychopathic, over-reincarnated beings, and they're trying so desperately to stay in control, but their time is over. We're going yes. into a galactic civilization, and it's, you know, yes, it's true all this stuff that's happened, but I can... I. I have annoyed people on this call because I can't call them the powers that be. They're the powers that were. And, you know, I don't put my energy on supporting their agenda, even though I'm well aware of it, because I know it's not our destiny, ultimate destiny, to to stay in this controlling environment. And it's going to be tough as it falls apart, but I think we'll survive it if, you know, if we're vigilant, hopefully. And if not, we'll... I, I think I think I think you're right. I mean, there are also other things that are going on. I mean, for for example, 
I live an hour from the Gettysburg, well, maybe two hours, maybe less, from the Gettysburg battlefield, right? And you go there at night, in a clear night, and you will see apparitions coming up from the ground. They're not made up. They just come up from the ground. That is if, correct. That is, Gettysburg is the most haunted city in the United States. That is a fact. Really? How funny. That is a fact. That is a fact. Yeah. yeah. I believe it. I mean, I, I, I go there and I go, please talk to me. I mean, they're that close. I mean, you get to see the people and you go, what? This is, am I hallucinating? You know, and I, I don't, I don't believe that I am. I've been there enough times to realize that I'm not hallucinating unless I don't know what to think. I just know that. Well, are they, they're not they're sentient there. beings, right? They're vapor. They're like a, like what you might call a ghost. Yes. No. Spirits of uh, spirits of the past, but uh, that is one of the most haunted areas of uh, of occurrences, paranormal occurrences in the country. And you can Google that. That's the fact. I, I wonder why. You know, that's interesting um, because so much, so, many, so much, so many people that. Back during oh, the they war, lost their their, oh. their lives and and they had injuries and they had a the hospital there and uh, so there was a, a lot of suffering and and pain and family uh, trauma and things of that nature. They said that's one of the most uh, haunted areas and and the people oh. know that <laughs> that live yeah. there. They're the first ones to tell you. Yeah. that's, that's well, what Al is right on target. He's exactly right. Yeah. We used to go in there and do rituals to release them. We've done, we used to do that in our church. You go in and, you know, you talk to them and tell them you need to move on. You know, you you, you can you need to move on and, and go home, you know, go back to your tribe or your ship or whatever it is. Well, and uh, and then, you know, release them from that. I, I mean, that's a long time to be trapped in, in, a, in limbo. <laughs> well, it, hap- it happens here where I am right now. There's a river crossings. And you can go at 10 o'clock at night with your lights off in your car, just sit and wait. And you'll hear what you think is horses coming down the roadway. Oh, wow. Yep. And they will, and you'll and you, you look up and you'll see what appears to be people on horseback in military gear. And they have gray uniforms on, they have blue uniforms on, they have no uniforms on, and they're, and they're armed. And they wow. look like they're in the 1860s, and you think to yourself, don't tell anybody because you're going to end up getting locked up for, you know, for saying oh. things that, you know, yeah. that a little, a little, but it happens here all the time. Gosh, I'd rather deal with the ETs than that. <laughs> <laughs> it happens here all the time, and you think, you know, what's, what, why is this happening? What's going well, on they've here? they're trapped there. Yeah, they, maybe because that issue of freedom hasn't been resolved, the one they fought for, you know. Let's stay here until they can fix this thing. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's strange. I mean, the house I'm in, I don't know what the restrictions are in this house, but you can't do anything to the home that I'm in, even though it's built on a, it's a modern home, but for some reason or another, it has restrictions because it was a, something to do with the Civil War. It's, four acres or five acres that I'm living on and you know, all the houses, I don't know, the house is you know, 10,000 square feet and all that. You can't do anything with it. The house is newer and newish, but there's something bizarre about the, about the, the rules and regulations on the house. And, you know, if you go out at, you know, three o'clock in the morning, which I often do, strange things are going on. Nothing, nothing scary, et cetera. Yeah. 
For you'll see things that are moving, and there's a clear night and no fog. And you say, "What's?" And it's not—it's not the deer running around in the backyard. It's something yeah. else. Mm-hmm. You know, um, it, it's as if it's as if somebody has disquieted somebody's spirit, their soul. I don't know. I can't yeah, tell. Yeah, well, they are locked in. They're not—they're not here, and they're not gone. You know, they're—they're. They're, um, you know, a lot of times they need just need to be told and given permission to, to leave. I don't know, and that a quite a mass amount of people though. I don't know. You'd have to throw a concert to release all the ghosts in Gettysburg or something. <laughs> well, I think I think two hundred sixty thousand people died there in twenty four hours, or something wow. like that. Oh, so they got trapped. They didn't really get a chance to die. They just got slaughtered. I mean, died. You know. Properly, <laughs> they're, they're, sla- they're slaughtering each other. I mean, you see, you'll yeah. see the brigade from the Carolinas, from George, from Maine, Pennsylvania, all where they had their, I guess their 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 little bit of a headquarters while they're on the battlefield, you know. And what what did it come to? What did it end up coming to? I mean, was slavery actually ended? No, not really. Well, we have more than we've ever had on the planet right now. <laughs> well, that well that that's true. I'm, I'm working I'm working with a guy with a guy right now. His name is Gerald Higginbotham. He's the head of an organization called the Descendants of American Slaves, and he's asked whether or not he can reparations from the U.S. government or actually from the businesses in this country. I said, "What's the number?" He says, "115 trillion dollars." But forget it. Don't bother. Don't bother doing that at all. And yet he's been he's been on the road for 15 years. He's like a descendant of Martin Luther King's kind of thing. He's a he's a, an American Airlines pilot, um, and we're trying to figure out you know how to actually reparations without destroying the economy. If, if reparations are due at all, I don't know. But So I figured out that we're going to, since the United States government thought that black people were, were property as opposed to being human beings, we'll call the, the unpaid wages rent, you know, and and figure out some way to, to uh, you know, get a, a 30-year bond or something that will allow tax deductions that are paid for by people who want to get a, a reduction in the taxes or corporations, et cetera, over the next 30 years, and that would end that kind of controversy for 21 million people in this country. But we have all kinds of nonsense going on in places like Baltimore that happened this past week. They let the guys that killed like Freddie Gray, the guy was in the back of that uh, police tr- truck, die for no apparent reason, and uh, they got the police got off. And he hadn't done anything violent; had done anything. Just just happened, you know. And we and we're having and we had 20 people killed last week in Baltimore. Nobody talks about it. Because of the because of what because of the verdict, I mean it's getting a little crazy. Oh, you know, it's but, crazy. <laughs> you know, but but I'm 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 hoping I can be successful with this with this uh, this bond that or this thing that I'm talking about. Talking to some you know investment house to figure out that so they can write a, a security that allows us to do this. The government's already admitted fifteen trillion dollars in reparations that they want to pay, but they haven't done anything about paying them. So um, I'm hoping what this guy has motivated me to do is help make this actually happen. It'd be very interesting to make it happen anyway. I get involved in a lot of odd projects. I don't know why. <laughs> I know the feeling. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I can't figure it out. But I, it would be fun to see that happen, you know. Um, and you wouldn't do $115 trillion all at once. You'd do it over a 30- or 40-year period. So it would smooth out, you know, the tax deductions and give and give some currency to the people that are the descendants. But this man claims there's 400 million descendants worldwide of American slaves. Wow. Wow. It's, it's amazing. And this guy, this guy flies almost nonstop. Even though he's flying for the airlines, 
he uses the airlines, he's a pilot, as Jerry Higginbotham is, he uses it to go out and talk about his, his cause. He's been doing it for 15 years. It's amazing. And he never stops. He doesn't sleep as in the same life. He goes out home to St. Louis, and then he's gone again after two days, and he's out doing his thing. If you, if you check them out, you'll see pictures of him on Facebook, and he meets everybody and his kid's sister running around. An interesting, it's an interesting kind of activism. I don't know whether it'll work or not, you know. Um, but he, of course, he's he's highly educated, and, and uh, he's trying to figure out how to elevate, you know, the people that are part of his ascendancy uh, or ascendancy, you know, in in the world. It's interesting, a very interesting project. I mean, Fred was involved with this guy. It turned out I didn't know that um, a long time ago down in uh, East St. Louis, in uh, you know, just across, just across the river from St. Louis. Same oh. same guy. You know, Same, what's interesting. Name? What's that? What's the guy's name? Uh, Gerald Higginbotham. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember when Fred mentioned that you, you guys were talking about that. I know he has yeah. a good friend yeah. down there. Um, can't think of his name, but I... Gary, no, Gary Nobles? Gary, yeah. He was Gary a great knows, guy. Right. He, 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 Gary knows, uh, knows Gerald. Uh, yeah. Gerald, Gerald, Gerald tried to save the hospital in East St. Louis, and it, it cost him. Uh, he cost him a half a million dollars, and he got nowhere with it. You know, it didn't work. The hospital left East St. Louis, um, and uh, uh, so so it went. Um, it's inter- it's interesting. I mean, we live in a country that's sort of, I don't know, sort of fighting with one another over nothing. We should just get get on with it. Yeah, it's tribalism. It's just ridiculous. It's just it's got so old. <laughs> it really, it really, it really has. Yeah. My my wife has relatives in 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 Europe, of course, and, and she's British, and they were sending her pictures and, and giving her commentary as to what's happened in 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 Europe and and in England. That you know, without a single shot being fired, the Muslim population has gone completely bonkers in terms of the numbers of people there and taking over entire communities. So mm-hmm. that you know. You know, with whatever they, whatever we think about ISIS and ISIL and all this other stuff that's going on, they're taking they're taking the world over without us firing a single shot, and you know, in these communities all over Europe. Oh, um, I know it's, it's a real problem in London and England. All the school kids they want to dress like the Muslim girls and boys, and people are getting angry because they don't want their children enculturated in something they don't understand. And yeah. Well, blonde, 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 blue-eyed, you know, British people are, are collectivized now. You know, if you, if you get one, you got to get it, preserve it. You know, it's it, it, because I'm, I'm kidding. My wife has a blonde, blue-eyed. It's <laughs> <laughs> British, so. But you know, the thing is that that uh, uh, it's <laughs> sorry. <laughs> hey, you can freak freely. <laughs> So, so you know, it's it's become it is becoming a problem. The, the whole all of Europe, the European theater is becoming Muslim uh, because of the population expansion. With all the people running out of Syria and, and that part of the world, uh, it, the flow seems to be unending. And yet, we know that the, that the Moors took Spain over 400 years, you know, before the the, the, the Catholic, uh, you know, uh, Infantata came back and, and took took the place back. So you know, it's not it's not that the, that the Muslims have not been in in and all over Europe. It's just they retreated for a while, and now it's the expansion time, you know, all over Europe these days. Every single country is having a, having an issue, you know, with, with people f- fleeing the Middle East. 
You know, and that's an, another issue that that America's got itself into. And what have we done? What have we actually figured out? In you know, in in the Middle East, what are we what are we accomplishing there? How how are we controlling the situation? How are we improving things? By creating chaos. By creating chaos. (laughs) We we have done. We have done that. We created chaos and we continue. Yeah. It's amazing. It's amazing. Wow. Anyway. Okay. Davey, I'm going to have to go. I've got to get up early, so uh, I'm going to have to. All right. Nice talking talking with everybody. Nice talking with everybody. Have a nice evening, everyone. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks, Al. Thanks for sharing everything. And it was fun having Tom on, and uh, he he did sign up, Didi. So uh, I did get a I sent him a about us page, and uh, so it'll be fun to have Tom on with us because I'm sure he'll be coming back in. So that'll be a lot of fun. Yeah, he wants to say hi to Fred. Yeah, so, that was a, a lot of fun with him. I really liked him a lot. He was he was a great guy. Yeah, He's absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. But, Okay, well, good night, everybody, and we'll see everybody good next night, time. Good night, everybody. Bye. Good night, Steve. Good night. Let's see it. Bye now. I guess uh, <laughs> we're closing the call, so I guess we'll take it. American Underground Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woo a hand clapper, a high-fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.